Lori should have a you've been listening to button that just like well alright. <laughs> she should not have that. We I wouldn't mean, have a show. Iron Brains, a podcast that will never grow tired of seeing ostentatiously wealthy and powerful people seize every opportunity to very publicly reveal that their accumulation of assets and accrual of influence and cultural might are not a function of their intelligence or hard work or any other particular virtue, but instead a happy, almost unexplainable accident, a podcast that loves to look upon the world makers and self-appointed power brokers who seemingly concern themselves most of all with acquiring our attention. Because they are, apparently, just humiliation fetishists who get off on watching us watching them walk face first into one brick wall after another. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How you doing, Lori? Fine. Lori's fine, and I make this look easy because of the magic of editing. Tonight is Monday, November 14th, 2022. We had a very stupid weekend, Abe. We'll get into the politics in just a moment. We don't know. We don't have to talk about our weekend being stupid. It was fine. It was fine. It was a good weekend. I mean, nothing to complain about, really. It's just that, like, when you set up, here's an idea of what's going to happen, and then... Right. Uh, the cruel mistress of fate comes by. She, the best laid plans of mice and podcasters and all of that just knocks everything to the side and says, nope, fuck you. Your sister's staying with you an extra like two well, nights. We love your I mean, sister. I mean, yeah, we love having Catherine around. There's no, no complaining about it. But And your kid's going to get sick and there's going to be a shooting in the... <laughs> that wasn't the weekend right? A anymore. mile from here. Yeah. Anyways, there's a shoot not there's a shooting the wrong mile, the wrong direction is the problem. What do you mean? A shooting Lori, Lori a mile morning, the other direction, everything would have been totally fine. Lori this morning was in a foul mood because the I still am. The, the mass shooting that took place raised a great deal of concern in our community rather than uh, just being ignored and Lori felt that if the uh, victims and or perpetrator had been a different sort of person rather than as students all around that uh, nobody would care. And I mean, I don't know. I'm right. I don't know if you're right. <laughs> Chicago, we are not. No, even, no. Even, even in our little, our, our little Hamlet. Of, no. And uh, I texted you and you didn't research, but I swear that there has been. I did research. We had a pretty clean last year or so. We had a but spate. A couple years ago. We had a spate. Isn't that what they say in the news? Yeah. A, a spate of homicides, of gun deaths in this town in like towards the end of ago. 2020. Yeah. The first year of the pandemic. No yeah. one cared. I mean, everyone cared. We talked about it. It was in the news. It was all over the Facebook. People were talking about gunshots like every day in the but neighborhood Facebook But the material, the basics were all the same. That people were being shot. The perpetrators were not being found right away. 
Yeah, but like, so th- there's a- an obvious difference between a shooting that d- takes place on the downtown mall at two in the morning, where mm-hmm. it's like a group of wild young men out in the streets shooting at each other, mm-hmm. versus a shooting that takes place on a school chartered bus after a field trip. Like, it's there are two very obviously different things. In, in the who's the comedian who has the bit about the. Uh, Everything is going exactly as planned, so nobody freaks out, but like... You're talking about the Joker in Batman. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets. Hmm? You you know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan. Even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press that, like, a gangbanger will get shot, or a truckload of soldiers will be blowing up, Nobody panics, because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mare will die, well, then everyone loses their minds. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's it's, it's the Joker. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a bunch of gangbangers do their. You know, they, <laughs> it's, it's basically a stand-up act. That's what made the. Uh, that's what oh. made that movie work so well. Is that it's basically like a Lewis Black. It's very Carlin, but it's... Yeah, it's sort of Carlin-y. But I'm not wrong. Well, isn't uh, the one different, uh, at least in this story, with the UVA shooting, the school shooting, the way that it was presented, because I found out about it through the news, like everybody else, and it was basically like there was a mass shooting, multiple people were shot, and the person who did the shooting has left the area. So it wasn't really clear. Is that the scope of the threat just on campus? Right. And it's a, and it, and because it's on campus and it has the feeling of a school shooting, quote unquote, uh, it means that it takes on a different sort of thing than a random sort of drive-by or something else on the... Uh, did, did, just, did that still happen? Do they still do drive-bys or is that like a 90s reference? I mean, they don't hear. Not a lot of drive-bys here, I don't think. That we know of, they maybe they happen, anyway. and we don't fucking hear about them because nobody in, cares. In like Chicago, right? It's pretty Probably. common. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, Chicago, this is not so a, a shooting in which uh, three people were dead, two others injured, was a big deal, and so they in fact shut down the city and the county schools today. First thing this morning, we found that out. I wonder also how much of the shutting down the county schools was the thing I said to you this morning, which like a lot. Of Like, there's already a teacher shortage, but, like, a lot of teachers who work in the county live in the city. And if all their kids had to stay home, they would need oh, subs. Gotcha. I just, I, I'm I, not... I don't think it was that. I okay. think that it was a question of uh, resource allocation, where if all of the county and city police officers are helping the university police force sure. attempt to search for and, and locate the suspect then they don't have the resources if anything else goes wrong. And considering so they found him in Richmond. There's a shooter out and about on loan, unknown locale. They couldn't afford to just yeah. not have police everywhere. So I'm also fine saying into a microphone that will go onto the internet that if I ever shoot a bunch of people, I'm skipping town. Yeah. Like I'm not going to hang that- out. Did they catch him hanging around? No, no he was they in Richmond. Him, like 70 miles southeast of Okay, because that, that seems to be, it was basically he would kill himself or he would flee yeah, town. Yeah, I was like, fully expecting us to find out that that 
black Durango that they were looking for. It was parked behind some large building and he'd killed himself. Like that was, that's what I had figured would have happened, but apparently not apprehended uh, without incident and, uh, and still alive. I guess we should sort of sum up at least what we know about the story to this point. He was a uh, former football player on the university of Virginia football team. I think it was a freshman in like 2018. He's, turning 23 this week at some point i do believe he's still is he still currently a student still enrolled at the school as of this morning i'm guessing it's not gonna i'm sure it's gonna change yeah, yeah. His enrollment status probably dubious at this point but last night at sometime after 10 p.m a charter bus full of a class of students on some sort of a theater field trip to see a play in Washington, D.C., arrived back at a parking garage here in town on campus about uh, 1.4 miles from here as the crow flies from where we are recording here tonight. And the bus gets back, and it's not clear yet if the shooter was on that bus or waiting for it as it got back. It's not clear if he was in that class or not, but... One way or another, he gains access to uh, the bus and starts shooting it up in the parking garage there, and that includes uh, three deaths. All five victims were on the UVA football team. Uh, three of them who died are are they they play for the team. Uh, so it's obviously a, a unspeakable tragedy uh, personally for them and for the the greater UVA community. I'm shocked they haven't canceled the season. Yeah, I think they're playing this weekend. You know what, what's what's odd about the way that the story was kind of uh, unfolding is that in my head I'm thinking the shooter is a connected to the football team. He's no longer on the team, but he was. The three dead were uh, also related to the football team. The other two, I didn't know until you mentioned it now, that they were also connected to the team. So in my head, I was thinking the field trip was connected to the football team. But this apparently is a class at UVA that they took unrelated to the football activities. Well, there are lots of of these classes, you know. There's plenty of plenty of classes at the university that have a high percentage of football players in them. Oh, that's true. I mean, wasn't there like a big to do? Uh, like that scandal where UGA had like some well, sure, but that's the, I think that's the garbage it, flagship of the state of Georgia, not not the University of Virginia. No, not the prestige, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson's the hidden own. ivy. It's a hidden ivy, right. really. But if you're in one of the big conferences in sports, you're probably doing this. But I guess we'll know more in the coming days. But like that would suggest that. There was some sort of targeted because I was thinking like, was this just like you just kind of just shooting and just it happened to hit girl. football players? It or- seems unlikely that this was a random attack in any in any way. But I mean, again, it's pointless to speculate yeah. about motive at this point because none has been released. I haven't even been able to find. Like usually, you can go online on Reddit or Twitter and find people just. UVA has a very strong honor code. Baselessly Bob. speculating about uh, nonsense motivations to these sorts of things, but I haven't been able to find anything yet, and I haven't even seen any of this guy's like social media stuff posted. So I don't know. There's just no reason to guess even as to what was going on in his mind. But it was a, a great big to-do around here, and they they shut down the school. They had kids sheltering in place overnight. So there was a bunch of kids who were in various 
campus buildings and different libraries and study they halls. The bank that I tried to make a deposit at, and they were stuck in those in those places overnight, and only got the the good to go at like ten thirty this morning after various police departments had combed the campus looking for the guy and came up with nothing. I was watching the first press conference live as it was going on, and the chief of police for for UVA was talking and somebody walks into the room and pulls him aside away from the mic and is like and set, whispers something into his ear and he goes back up to the microphone stand and he's like hey he's been apprehended somewhere else not here but we've got him and he's alive and that's all of the information that I know and so that was sort of the end of the story in terms of uh, the the fugitive on the run part of it there's nothing else to say about it and that's why we're just dumping it here at the start of the show but I do I mean, like Biden's statement on this was about how we need to do something about gun violence in this country. And it's like, I get it. Like, <laughs> I get that that's where you have to go, that you can turn this. And and people will say that that's not politicizing it. But to me, that is sort of politicizing a moment that doesn't need it. Like, I, I just, if a person is going to do violence to a bus full of people, uh, ultimately three dead and two injured is a relatively small amount of potential victims. I mean, only, <laughs> only if they were just spraying, but if they targeted five people, I mean, that's a, you know, they wanted to kill these five and they got three of them. And what, I think one of them is in critical condition. So it's like, it depends on what the intent was. Like if it was a successful thing. Right. Was it a successful it? assassination of three people or was it a right. failed spree killing that only resulted in five victims? Right. Who knows? right. But it doesn't. It doesn't read to me as one of these maniacs who wants to go and shoot up as many people as he possibly can, which is where you get the maybe we should consider the impact of guns in our culture thing. This just doesn't feel like a gun culture story to me. But maybe maybe more right. details will convince me otherwise. I don't know. Uh, it felt like we could have come on last Wednesday, and I could have pod. Like I almost, I almost was like, "Hey, we got a podcast Wednesday night. This is <laughs> this is too much." Like, as I just got so much. Even to though say. we didn't, even though we didn't have, I mean, I guess we had a pretty good idea about Wednesday, but like, was it that clear? Because I mean, some of the Senate races were just called over yeah, the weekend. Uh, we, yeah, we, we no, have a much clearer picture this. now, but like, it just felt like I could have talked forever. Uh, on Wednesday night. And I, Did it ever I, not feel like I didn't that? even need you guys. I was just going to come down here and That's podcast true. myself into the... Maybe turn on the camera just to watch myself podcast for a bit. But, uh, be like Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, just Rudy it up. Uh, that's right. Just squint downward into the camera. Uh, but we didn't do that. I, we should... Uh, first of all, believe it or not, we did our little election forecast game. We're tied. Coming out of the election forecast game. I love that. That's great. No kidding. We both called, Good for you guys. You're we, equally bad at this. We both called hip, hip. Spanberger's uh, re-election correctly. Spanberger wins. We both called that El- Elaine Loria would go down in Virginia second. And that went to uh, that other lady. Uh, in the seven, New York 17th, where I said uh, Sean Patrick Maloney who is annoying, was going to lose because I personally found him annoying. And you said, that's, that's no metric. Takes, by the way. That's, that's no way to make any predictions. And I said, I think it is. And I was right. 
so I got that one. Also, I found out that I was doing a homophobia there, and for that, I apologize. Did not what? know. Did just, not know that he now? was gay, but um, turns out Sean Patrick Maloney's a gay. I don't think it counts if you didn't know. Well, I'm just. I'd like to apologize regardless. He's still annoying though. Anyway, that guy lost. Maine's second. We got both of those right, and then in the Georgia Senate. If if this comes down to a true tiebreaker situation, I will give yeah. you the edge. Like yeah. you, you get Abe the got bonus. It more right. You get the bonus half point. Well, wait a minute. I thought we picked opposite people, didn't we? Because yeah, I picked Walker outright. Walker, and, I had Warnock and you picked Warnock in, in the runoff. Runoff. But on like, the button. But the runoff versus that thing was not part of the. No 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 no. Wait wait no. no, no, no. no. I'm not. What I'm saying, you, I'm not taking the L right yet. Now, if Walker no. loses, I take the L. Yeah. Yeah. So it yes. doesn't matter. Abe gets right. an extra half point. He'll yeah, win plus some if he wins. Are there? Yeah. Are there any other races outstanding outside of the runoff? In the like in the country or just in, in our thing? World. In, in, in our game. No, in our. Or is everything settled? That's the only outstanding race in our thing because we we also called the well. The Arizona Senate is all. I mean, they've they've called most of the news organizations have called that one, right? Yeah. So that one is gone. We both got that one correct because we both said that Masters was going to lose to the astronaut. We both got the Arizona governor race wrong, assuming that things hold. So I'm. Yeah, that is. By the way, uh, well, I guess one of the themes I was going to mention tonight would be like the uh, not paying a a price for shenanigans, right? So, for instance, all of the candidates. The, the DCCC decided to like prop up like crazy right wing candidates in districts that were winnable. Uh, that gambit paid off. Like mm-hmm. all of those candidates yes. won. There's but no cost. They paid a karmic price because who's the head of the DCCC? Yeah, the head. Yeah, the, Sean Patrick is, Maloney, way, Mr. Right. Annoying Gay, <laughs> goes down. And, and that's a trade off that would take. You know that the, that because now you can uh, apply to the future. And then in Arizona, the governor, the the Hobbs uh, uh, candidate, that no no debate for me. I'm just gonna pretend that that doesn't exist. I'm just gonna just not debate you, and just kind of go on about living my life. And she's gonna win. Living like, her life as, as an actual like wallflower. Like this, she is right. the, the the perks of being a wallflower is apparently that you get to become the governor of Arizona. If you're going right. up against an absolute psychotic person in the in the form of Carrie Lake, yeah, maybe she was doing that whole uh, "don't interrupt your uh, adversary when they're making a mistake." Like so, like if like if they just assume like what she's saying is not going to play, like based on on our polling, let's just not contribute to it at all. Just just kind of just be there as the other candidate, right. and then you'll win. And it seems like it's going to work. All right, so we at this point we're still. All tied up here, but the Pennsylvania Senate, or no, I'm up one at this point, but the Pennsylvania Senate goes to you because you thought that Fetterman was going to beat Dr. Oz, which is correct, and then the Nevada Senate. Stroke or no stroke? The Nevada Senate, we both got that one incorrect. We thought that it was going to the challenger, but instead it has been called today, I think, or maybe late yesterday, for the Democrat uh, Cortez Masto, which is what sealed the deal for the... Democrats, they're going to maintain control of the United States Senate regardless of what happens in the upcoming runoff between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Yeah, in fact, yeah, they, they can actually improve on – in this environment, it's like – I don't know who thought this was possible, but like they can actually add to the 50-50 that 
we had the last two years. Right, which is how that you're, and and it's why I'm. I will concede now, though we're still a month away from this being determined by the people of Georgia. I am going to preemptively concede, though we are tied in in our little game here. There's no path to victory for Herschel Walker (laughs) in an environment in which it doesn't matter who the next senator from Georgia is in terms of control of the Senate. Like the only path that Herschel had was getting to the point where the Democrats had 49 seats and a 50th seat would give them control. Right. Instead, this is now an opportunity for Republicans who were reluctant to support Herschel Walker. I mean, because Brian Kemp carried the state by, I want to say, almost eight points over Stacey Abrams, as we both— A shellacking. I mean, a total shellacking. Right. And some 200 and I think almost a quarter million people voted for Kemp but did not vote for Herschel Walker, something along those lines. And, yeah, and that's a problem for like you say Walker because now the the whole motivation falls apart right. because you the can Senate imagine a situation is, in which you can try to motivate those quarter right. million Georgians who voted for Kemp. Like Kemp could go and bust ass for the next month and say, "Look, uh, for the future of the country or whatever, you need to get out there and vote for Herschel." But that's no longer like there's just no reason for it. Herschel right. is now just going to be a, an embarrassment. Like, do you really want Herschel to be an embarrassment to yeah. you and your whole state and to your party for the next six years when it doesn't actually gain you anything in terms of power in in Congress? I don't think that you do. But I, I think, I mean, the GOP in Georgia, they're not going to give up, give it up. They're going to still try. It's, it seems like it's going to be a losing uh, battle. But this is a six-year term. You can't just concede it outright they're going to make try to make noise i don't know what the coherent argument will be but they'll try to make one yeah but like i said i'm just going to concede now because i do not see i don't see how herschel can win this runoff so abe wins our little election forecast game uh congratulations uh, abe (laughs) <laughs> that D triple C guy that lost that, that you took some joy uh, in basically all I, it didn't matter what other race happened. I just like, like war, this Warnock thing. Cause I was like, from the beginning of the year, I was like, there's no way there's no way. I mean, there's still a way cause it's, it's the only outstanding. Uh, it was Senate very race, close. But, I mean, it's not yeah, like, it was <laughs> very close. Actually, all these races were very close. I mean, in a lot of the States, it remained close. Yeah. Like, so do you think that we – I don't know. You probably haven't listened back to us from last week. I don't think Correct that – Correct assumption. We, we weren't like over – but there's, there's no doubt that we thought that there was going to be more success for Republicans than we ended up seeing on Tuesday night. And in fact, that was pretty clear even by bedtime Tuesday night. I think the thing that I said at the start of last week's show is I want to watch very closely especially – the races in Virginia between uh, the Spanberger race and the, and to a lesser extent, the Loria race, but that Spanberger race, the fact that she ended up winning. And I think by almost four points or something like that, like she, she held on. Okay. Told me that we were probably not going to see the maximalist version of the red wave. And we knew that fairly early on, but that, really continued throughout the entire country to the point where, and just to be clear, like we are saying that the Republicans are going to hold the House, but or rather take over the House. That's not a done deal yet, at least as of this recording. They right. do it, not have... Almost a week, yeah. 
a week later, and that's still, even though like all signs point to a very, very thin majority, uh, in name only anyways, I mean, there's going to be a very fractured majority, but like a, almost a week after the elections, that is still an unsettled matter. Uh, right, so there's still a, that, 19 that, yeah. there's still 19 undecided races and it looks like Republicans will take the house by like a seat or two. I think New York <laughs> Times has them at uh, projected them at at 219 seats right now. NBC also has a similar but they they have like a margin of error like a few seats either way. But yeah, I mean if it's that, if it's just plus 1, you need 218 and you're at 219 let's say or 220, that means for any reason, health reason, someone's out for that. You don't. You don't have this functioning majority. Right. You know, uh, any sort of disagreement. I mean, somebody's going to have a fucking heart attack or a stroke and die, right. and it's just a coin flip as to whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. And right. do you know how many days uh, this past Congress operated with a full slate of Congress people? Uh, a full slate of four hundred and thirty-five. I don't know off the top of my head. I will set the over-under for you at Push. one half of, of one day. Out of how many? Out of two years, right? Oh. So a Congress is, is two years. I will set the over-under at half a day for the total number of days operated at, at full capacity. Well, if you're setting it that low, I'm going to take the under. I'm giving you that's, – that's like 700 days on the one side of it, Abe. How dare you take the obvious under when it is, in fact, the under, yes. Uh, they never had a full slate. People were – No kidding. No, wow. But, that I would, I would not have guessed that. What a bunch of fucking slackers. I mean, they couldn't fill the seats. Like, there were people dropping out and uh, bogus people dying and that sort of thing. Anyway. Uh. Bogus people uh, should we complain about the fact that it's a week out and California and Arizona and yes. Washington I, and I, a couple other states have done you just such named a, three lazy ass states and New York have done such a horrible job of finishing off their their tallies here? I'm sure I've said this in the past. I hate this take forever counting. Like maybe it's because had the Republicans had a better night, right? And if it was like clinched, basically like. We can project to have 218, right? And then the rest is just figuring out the exact count. Nobody would actually care about what's going on in the California whatever and the New York whatever and the Nevada whatever, right? But now that it's like still outstanding issue, then people are like, well, why did it take so long? And you're hearing from the officials and like, well, this could take by the end of this week or maybe a week after that. And it's like, come on, you can't count these votes. Right. California, California expects to continue to get ballots in, in the mail as late as end of day tomorrow, I think is the last day that they take ballots that have not yet arrived. So like right. that's a, and that's a, so that's a full week after the end of election day. If there's a, a reform that can be made that I think would satisfy a lot of the nonsensical claims or at least like make some of them less palatable to a general audience. It would be, we need to have election results by end of week, maybe right. Like right. close of business. Yeah, end of week would have been fine. Close yeah, of business yeah. on Friday. Can that, can that yeah. be when we know uh, whether or not uh, barring recounts and sort of strange circumstances, but like this, right. this extending it for weeks at a time is just absolutely unacceptable. That's ridiculous. They, they, the simple fix would be, I mean, these states can do whatever they want, but if you want something by the end of that, that week, have some sort of deadline uh, for mail-in votes like seven days 
before election day. Basically, have the in-person election day be like, if whatever happened didn't work out for you, like we gave you ample opportunity to mail in your your vote. You know, we're trying to make it as easy as we can. Right. If you uh, can't fucking, if you that, can't put the thing in the mail the Friday before the Tuesday election day, right, then you've got to go right. drop it off at a, at your polling place, and that's the end right. of the fucking story. If, that, yeah. Like and uh, like the same goes for the people who are in like on an Air Force base in Germany or whatever. Like get the shit in the goddamn mail. I mean, I get it. Like and you also, want you want the, to have everybody have a chance. But if we've got six weeks of early voting in half of these goddamn states, like count all the goddamn votes ahead of time. Right. We don't need right. to be. You don't need to also, be dropping off hundreds of thousands of votes that came in over the course of six weeks and not opening them until election day. Count the fucking things. Right. And 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 people will exhaust all the time you give them right so if you have a very lax you can mail it in on like at 7 p.m on tuesday as long as it's mail mail stamped there'll be a a a number of people who take that option they'll wait until the very last minute they could have sent it in a week before or the friday before tuesday and if you set the rules that way it's not gonna hamper anyone's ability to vote right this is not going to be some sort of suppression thing but you just can't have it to where it's taking weeks to count like, by the end of Friday of that election week, that's fine if you're one of those states. But, like, it just can't take forever. This is taking way too long to count. And also, we're in that, what, what, what century are we in? I mean, we're going backwards. We used to be able to count things a lot easier, like 30 years ago. Now yeah. we're going in the wrong direction of counting. So what did we get wrong? Why did we get it wrong? And if not us, then what was the misreading by the... Why was the narrative so wrong about what was going to happen in this election? Because the polls, I mean, say what you will about the polls, Nate Cohn fucking nailed it in the last New York Times Siena poll that came out uh, the yeah, week, that was fairly the accurate, week yeah. before the election, but, basically had everything. And I people like to dump on Nate Silver and the folks over at 538, but I thought they did a reasonably good job. And like just because they have somebody at a 70-30 probability of winning an election, like... I mean, again, I always go to the the football analogy, which is like hitting a 45-yard field goal as time expires in the fourth quarter. Like, that's that's not a fucking guarantee, and that was what they no. said Hillary Clinton had to do in order to win the uh, 2016 election, and we saw how that went. Shank. Right, right. It was a shank opportunity. She shanked it. Uh, that, I think, your assessment is accurate, but I, I do think that this is yet another election cycle where the polling brand took another hit because people are just like are not paying attention that deeply into things they'll look up in the run-up to the election and they see all the trend lines going towards republican right, but that's, not and on they hear, that's on the talking know, but, heads in the media who insist on on crafting narratives out of probabilities that the nerds come up with right well wait a minute i mean the polling i mean they had uh even the aggregate of poll everything was trending republican even though like if you're like oh well 59 percent in the Senate, that's basically a coin flip. That's true, but like, if you see f the aggregate of poll shows that the House is definitely going Republicans right. in Republicans' hand, which seems true now, but like not by these margins. Uh, just the, the takeaway, like people thought one thing that did not happen, and the polls are going to get the blame for it. I think unfairly, but this is yet another bad PR hit for polls. Yeah, as a whole. Yeah, and I, like I said, I had assumed that. They were still undercounting uh, Republicans in the in the way that in the way that they did in 2016, and to an extent that they did in 2018. That my assumption yeah. was that they had just probably not 
figured out how to account for the fact that a lot of Republicans just don't answer in the way that they want them to in these things. And well, no one seems to answer in the way because, like, even the the, the response rate is like absurdly low these days compared to 10, 20, 30 years ago. Like less than people, half of one percent or something yeah, of people that they call actually respond to these polls. Correct. Right. Which makes it all the more fucking staggering. That, that they're po- even close. Right, yeah. that they're at all close, that they have to make 50,000 calls in order to get 1,500 <laughs> responses, and they manage to somehow extrapolate that into the feelings of uh, the general feelings of the American people is fucking stunning to me. And right, because to me, I'm thinking the people who are answering these random calls are entirely a separate group of voters than, like, all other yeah, they're the weirdos. Like you can't trust yeah. the people. Yeah. So how can you extrapolate anything from those people? I mean, no offense if any of them are <laughs> among our listeners, but like, right. who the hell answers these just random cold calls? Like, yeah, sure, I'll answer the questions. Oh, I don't approve of the president, but uh, blah 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 blah. Like, what is that? Right. I have an old take about how they ask more gas stations how much gas costs. Then they ask American people what they think of things. And like like the, the Lundberg survey of gas stations is we talked to 3,700 gas stations from coast to coast to come up with the, uh, the average cost of a gallon of gas. It's like, ah, we talked to like 450 Americans and we know what all 300 million of you assholes think. It's like there's more diversity of thought in gas station uh, gas prices than there is right. among the they American people. They just called the governor's race in Arizona, for real. Oh, yeah? So yeah. it went to Katie Hobbs? Mm-hmm. Okay. See, future uh, political aspirants uh, do what Hobbs did. That was, like, the nice, just right, the coattails of, like, she's crazy, I'm not her, and uh, I'll see you at the polls. <laughs> right. So, and that worked in Michigan as well with uh, Tudor, Tudor Dixon was the nut job election-denying Republican in Michigan who went down hard to uh, Gretchen Whitmer, who was vulnerable, at least one thought, because of how seriously she took the COVID stuff and was not terribly popular in her state because of her COVID lockdown policies. Or so it would seem. I mean, not not based on these results. Right, but not yeah, based on the polls. Yeah. So, I mean, but COVID ended up being an utterly meaningless part of this yeah, election. Like it's that, over. That, that, that is one of the, the surprises. Like, what were the salient issues? And it seems like you couldn't do this nationally. It seemed like it was very regional. Like, Georgia and Florida, the abortion issue didn't seem to have much of a role in the uh, camp and 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 DeSantis. Right, except where it was directly on the ballot. I think that you can you can point to Michigan as an example of right. possible. And I predicted this, so of course I'm going to point to it now after the fact. But <laughs> I suggested that Whitmer is going to benefit from the fact that there was a constitutional amendment on abortion on the Michigan ballot. And it seems like it's reasonable to expect that she did. Right. Because that passed fairly easily in Michigan. And in fact, all five of the states that had abortion stuff on them ended up, if you had to pick a uh, which side of the ledger does this end up in, it's on yeah. the pro-choice side in all five right. of all five of the races. Right. And Democrats seemingly would have benefited a great deal from getting ballot measures on on the 2022 ballots right. in states where they were in more trouble and but I mean, you'll you, i assume going forward they're gonna 
they're going to try to nationalize the Michigan and, and I mean, Pennsylvania is also another uh, example of, of where they fl- didn't they flip the legislatures uh, of Michigan and Pennsylvania? Like it seems like uh, on one hand, uh, the incumbents did a great job. I mean, if we're, we should have just done that. Like who is the incumbent and just vote for him because like almost all of them won, uh, except maybe the, I think uh, the Todd, the, the Meet the Press show, they mentioned that g- the governor of Nevada lost. Right. So like that was like one of the, of the big profile races, the only incumbent who lost. I mean, Pennsylvania was an open seat. Uh, this governor race in Arizona, uh, open seat. Uh, so those don't count uh, in either direction. But basically, if you're an incumbent in a year where people are complaining, like the dissatisfaction, even the exit polls, all the polling is still showing the same thing. People are not happy about inflation. They're not happy about uh, the cost of everything uh they're not happy about the economy or what they think is going to happen over the next few months and yet everyone just stuck to the the person who's running their seat right now like their governor their senator whatever like so it's kind of a weird disconnect where people are like mad but they don't want to do too much about governors do about any of that right do we think i know people don't know that but 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 at least they didn't bear the brunt of like bad things are happening and I'm going to take it on on the person who's in charge. Like that didn't happen anywhere except for Nevada. Do we think that that has anything to do with what I had mentioned in the recent past about how even the people in power are presenting themselves as being beleaguered and out of power in certain ways? Yes. Right? Yes. Like <laughs> everyone, whether whether you're the incumbent or not, a lot of these people were running as we are the ones who are up against it. They, they are the powerful forces that are trying to take over your lives. And that's a message that is usually run by people who are not currently in power. Right. But it was something that, it's something that the Biden administration leans into all the time. They lean into this idea that despite the fact that they've been in control of Congress and the presidency for the, first, for the last two years, they lean into this idea that there's this mass conservative movement that they're, they're constantly fighting against as, as David's against the conservative Goliath. And I mean, I'm I'm sure that that had something to do with all of these incumbents holding serve. Do I mentioned in the group text about this is a lesson that we should have known that we really ultimately, while I still I maintain what I said last week about how this is a not that complicated a story that the inflation sucks, the economy's not great, and Biden's unpopular, and therefore Republicans are going to have a good night. I still like. I still think that played a major role in Republicans taking back the House. Did and, it? And, okay. And having the success that they did. Without it, they would have been fucking wiped out, right? Because they had way too many Republicans who aligned themselves incredibly closely with Donald Trump, despite the evidence that we've seen in every election that Donald Trump has ever been a part of, including the one that he won in 2016, that he cannot put together an actual majority of voters who support right. him or the thing that, the things that he wants to do. In 2016, he got fewer votes than Hillary Clinton and won because of the Electoral College. Right. He got far fewer votes than Joe Biden four years later. He also got his ass handed to him in the midterms in 2018. And yeah, 40 it, plus seat picked right. up for the Dems. Yeah. This is a person who has an incredibly durable floor of support, right? He's got something like 40% of Republican voters will support him no matter what. 
right? Like it's right. it's a it's a and hard... if it's not that, and it's at least a third. It's, it's, it's somewhere in... between those two. Right. You say no matter what, but what if he weren't running as a Republican? Like how many of those Republicans that would support him no matter what would just vote Republican right. so no how many, matter what? How many Americans are there? How many voting Americans are there that would support him no matter what? Probably 25% or okay. something is my guess. But that would be ruinous to the Republican candidate. Like, you know, the basically what the Republicans need if, if for whatever reason, like, assuming that Trump's uh, support doesn't just collapse out of nowhere in 23, right? Assuming he has the same level of support in the high 20s, low 30s, or what whatnot, uh, and a DeSantis type uh, wins the primary for the Republicans, they would need a magnanimous Trump to d- right. bow out and accept the results, which he has never done, right? Well, I mean, what, like, they, what they would need is they need this to be a competition of a relatively few number of people because part of what I'm also saying is that the reason that Trump won – Trump only won the primary with a plurality of Republican right. votes anyway. He right. never had right. a majority of Republican voters even in the 2016 primary. And then in 2020, they didn't bother, right? They didn't, they didn't allow – for a challenge to right. Donald Trump right. to rise because a single challenger arguably could have taken him out. Now, it seems super unlikely. Uh, I will grant you that. But he never received a majority of support from Republicans right. until he actually had the job. Right. And then it became right. a we like our guy sort of situation. And obviously that sucked. But he had both a very durable and hard floor, but he also has always had a very hard ceiling. He's he's cannot build. He doesn't build any sort of fucking coalition. And we not sh- only not only that, uh, he also animates the other side, right? So he he's he's a get out the vote machine in the opposite, where other people will come to vote against him. Plus, he does he can't build his own coalition. That's over fifty. Right, which is what makes the notion that like and Liz Warren said it on Meet the Press that that this was a this isn't about anything besides a great victory for Joe Biden and it's a. It's an affirmation of everything the Biden administration has done for the last two years. This victory belongs to Joe Biden. It belongs to Joe Biden and the Democrats who got out there and fought for working people. The things we did were important and popular. Like, no, it wasn't. It's just a very weird thing for her to say. There's a lot of things she could have said, and that was a weird thing. It's a lesson that we should have learned, and it's something that we should have internalized and, and known going in, that ultimately this is another election that because it wasn't a binary, because Trump wasn't actually on the ballot, it means that there's that squishy other side of the Trump support, which is just, well, I fucking hate the Democrats and Joe Biden, right? That, that in le- because Trump is not on the ballot in 2022, that binary isn't as stark. And it's just just sort of the general Trump vibe and then everybody else. He's not, you're not going to be able to motivate those people to unite behind Trumpism. It has to be the guy. And we and the media probably should have known it wasn't as going to be as good a night for the Trump faithful because people don't react well to it. The Arizona is a perfect test case. And I like, again, 
Well, I loved Wednesday, by the way. I loved waking up on Wednesday and reading all of this news and finding out all of the ways in which my assumptions about what was going to happen the day before were wrong. And I, it, <laughs> I, I live for days like that in the news because so much of the last six years has felt like you wake up and you read something awful that you knew was going to be awful, and it's awful in the ways that you knew it was going to be awful, and none of it was surprising. It really was right? such a like, – still, it's still a good feeling, especially, I think – because it's not just like both sides are a little unhappy still. And it's like, that's how it should be. Like no one had a major win, but it wasn't worst case scenario. It was a lovely day. And everybody so far has uh, accepted the outcome. Hey, I, even the crazy yahoos are like, oh, I guess it didn't work in yeah. very small, like very tight outcomes. Uh, and so it kind of speaks to the fact that it, it really was one person who kind of galvanize the crazies right. toward January in, in 2018 the uh, what was the guy's name in Arizona uh Doug Ducey I think was the former Ducey, governor yeah, of governor, Arizona yeah, yeah he yeah. he wins by like 15 or 18 points or something like that in Arizona which is like yeah. a big fucking number 2016 Trump wins the state by only three and a half points or something over Hillary in 2018 the Republican governor wins the state by 15 or 18 points. So that's Is a, that that's when a, cinema comes in. Right, uh, that's like when cinema. Right, that's when cinema comes in, and so what you're seeing there is exactly what we should have known was going to happen, which is that Carrie Lake is not going to be able to generate the sort of support that a Doug Ducey did because she's a fucking crazy person, right? Right. And and the the crazy person vote maxes out with Donald Trump in 2016, and it does not. It it never main. It never achieves that level of of success again, and only right. he is the one who's able to achieve that level of success, and we should have known that. But you, you know, you keep saying we should have known that. You don't. You don't think the two big issues of inflation and the presidential approval rating being that low would be a drag on the Democrats? Like that did not really materialize. In, in a normal, in, in, in under normal circumstances, yes. So that's why I say, like, I still think that the narrative holds for the vast majority of the country, which is why you see republicans winning enough to take back a small margin against the democrats in the house but in these weird outlier situations where we have fucking bonkers people not a single one of the high profile secretary of state uh, yeah. races went to people who said that we will just hand the election to donald trump uh, right. in the event that he loses uh, again or quote unquote loses going forward mastriano got his ass handed to him like that's what i should and when i say we should have known i should have known in pennsylvania because i was 1000 percent positive that the agreeable and normal shapiro character the democrat in pennsylvania was going to win easily against the psychotic christian nationalist mastriano and i should have known that like the, the coattails from that are very strong and it, yeah. it, it they can drag a stroked out lurch john fetterman across right. the finish line against what, some well, I think he pro yeah, he probably would have won with similar margins if he didn't have the stroke cuz it seemed like he was kind of a popular guy. He's before he's normal that. to me. Right, I think yeah. that he probably would have because he trailed he trailed in a similar way to how uh Warnock or or rather Walker trailed Kemp in Georgia. Fetterman right. did not get all of the vote that Shapiro got or he would have won the thing uh running away with it, but he didn't. And it's because he's not a great candidate after that stroke. I think that the the guy that uh what's his fucking name? He's more of a a younger lib who is Fetterman's competition in the primary 
Connor somebody, something? Connor Lamb. Connor Lamb? Yeah, Con- he, uh, I think Connor Lamb would have run away with it in the same way that Shapiro did against but, uh, Dr. But Connor Lamb was the moderate, closer to centrist moder- uh, Democrat. Right. Uh, Fetterman's uh, the, the further left guy. Okay, re- right, sure. Yeah. I had that backwards. But Connor Lamb, I think, not having, not being old and having a stroke and uh, being a general sort of slob, I think runs away with that against Dr. I. We will never know, obviously. But right. I don't know. It just but feels, it was still, it, I, it, I mean, I, the thing that I enjoyed on Wednesday was reading all of this stuff and and finding out that I was wrong in certain ways, but I was wrong in ways that I'd already sort of internalized before and just sort of forgotten about because of the circumstance, the unique. I thought what would be unique circumstances for this election. Right. I think uh, the concerning thing for the Republicans going forward is that in a uh, bad environment like with like i said going back to the inflation and all the concerns about a recession and whatnot that they would perform so poorly uh as a whole there were some bright spots like florida is not a competitive state in any sense like that's a deep red state based on all of the i'm uh, not convinced that it's as deep red as you say it is i think that that was a state where trump did not function one way or another and desantis is just an incredibly uh, largely popular guy down there and like i said for months charlie christ is a fucking wasteoid of a candidate right and i knew he was going to get his ass kicked all along but they they probably didn't want like a rising star to to get molly whooped by uh desantis so they're like let's just throw out some uh old guy yeah, and, uh, and, and, and Val Demings loose. did a little bit better, but not much better against Rubio. But not Rubio. much. But but all all of the demographics uh, in that state, Florida, shifted uh, further to rise. So maybe it's not all the way red, but it is like Ohio trending further away uh, into the red. And on the other hand, the reason why I say it was troubling is that excess votes in the uh, uh, electoral college don't mean anything, right? So if you run up the margins in Florida, it means nothing if you're losing ground as the GOP has in Pennsylvania. Yeah, let them shifting have Florida. Blue. They've had it yeah. for right ever now. So fuck right, Florida. But, it's easy. Yeah, Flo- yeah. Basically, it's like Florida is not even like a competitive state, and now you have Pennsylvania that shifted blue. You need to win that, and they're Michigan. not. Michigan has shifted blue, uh, and and Wisconsin it was kind of mixed mixed bag. I guess the incumbency of Ron Johnson helped them out, but like the governor, he held on. Well, the incumbency so of Ron Johnson, along with the fact that the candidate that they had up there, uh, Mandela Barnes, was just wrong about yeah. The- the rioting stuff and the who was the guy who was shot because he was going for a knife in his car while he was doing a domestic abuse against his family uh oh the guy that kind of went back and there's been so many i forget the name but yeah anyway they were all of the democrats in that those moments after george floyd because that was right on the heels of the floyd thing within a within a number of weeks i believe they did not cover themselves in glory when it comes to uh they're kind of caught up in the moment, and they just said some uh, kind of like Beto uh, O'Rourke with the the, the gun seizing uh, right. comment. But yeah, like if you're not that, basically it's like okay, in 2024, what's the argument? Like let's say some you know uh, the magnanimous Trump says, you know what, I'm going to bow out. That's not going to happen. But let's assume for the sake of discussion that happened. Then you have a DeSantis, right? He would win Florida, obviously. He would win a Georgia. But what is its path in a Pennsylvania, Michigan? Basically. It seems like the Democrats are slowly rebuilding that wall that was talked yeah, about in 2016. Color, the the, the blue reason, color people. The reason yeah. that I think DeSantis has a chance 
and would would defeat Trump and then would absolutely mop the floor with uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Assuming Trump doesn't venture out as a third party spoiler. Right. Assuming that Trump does not attempt to take his very hard floor of 25% of Americans. And Which he would definitely do, by the way. If that happened, he would definitely do something like that. Plausibly, yeah. I, I don't deny that. Uh, he's, he says he has a big announcement planned for tomorrow night, so I guess... Do you as, anticipate a, a candidacy for president, or do you think it'll be something else? He is either announcing that he's going to be the next president of the United States by virtue of declaring his candidacy tomorrow night, or he will be announcing, like, a uh, new brand of golf Trump yeah. shoes. Yeah, like I feel like it's going to be like Trump, Trump TV or something. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to be would... just something <laughs> crass and stupid, like another fundraising venture in the form of a bad consumer product, or it's going to be the announcement for the running for the 2024 presidency and nothing in between. Those are the only two options. I, I would uh, if he if he did go with the announcement, which to me seems like it's a weird timing. Like uh, there's just so much. Time. Why not just let the the uh, the house settle to see who wins and see if McCarthy can can muster up enough to to become speaker, and then in early twenty three announce. But maybe he thinks there's a lot of people out there blaming me. A, a lot of the uh, assignment of blame is basically mostly Trump. Like Trump, his handpicked candidates uh, ruined us. The, the the Republicans are saying so. Like maybe he wants to change the what the news is covering. Like if he announces, then that's going to be the discussion and not like whether or not the Republicans should move away from him. Like he'll announce and then he'll right. try to get he needs to, people he to needs commit to, to draw him early. the gravity of the conversation back to himself. And yeah. he needs to do it as quickly as possible because was, DeSantis won by 20 points in Florida. There was that funny thing that Chris Christie said where he said, I if this goes well, I will get the credit, and if it doesn't, then it's not my fault. And right. then he like said that. Right. Donald Trump actually said before these before this election that whoever wins, I should get all the credit, and whoever loses, I don't deserve any of the blame. Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit, and if they lose, I should not be blamed at all, okay? But it'll probably be just the opposite. And that's like at least the second or third time that he said almost that exact formulation of words with regards to not just politics, but also like the pandemic, like anything right. good that happens is my doing and anything bad that happens is China's fault, obviously. Do you think there's any chance of something careless? Like what if he came out and said uh, he's running for 24, but because the previous election was stolen from him, he didn't feel that it's needed that he go through the primary. So he's going to show up on convention night and he's going to be nominated. Failing that he's going to run a third party. Basically just say, I'm not even bothering with Iowa and whatever. I'm the president. That, like, is, I shouldn't uh, have to that is some like Roger Stone fucking crazy <laughs> Bannon and Stone in a room with too many drinks sort of plan. Right. But yeah. Giuliani. Just some sort of stupid thing. Because basically, if, if he did that, basically it would kind of almost kind of open it up for the Pence and the DeSantis and the Pompeos to run thinking that, oh, we'll have enough that uh, it'll carry me into victory on, on uh, convention night. And then he's like, I'm going to be there. You better put my name in or I'm going to do this other thing. Yeah, like, to me, this seems like it's weird that he would announce I'm running for office so early. It's just way too early. Well, for he's that. been running for office for the last year. Like, he's never stopped running yeah. for office. So he's, right. I mean, I know he doesn't concern himself with laws and norms and all the rest. 
but like the election integrity people, the the FEC or what have you, they're not going to be pleased with the way that he's spending campaign money without running as a campaign, right? right? So right. presumably somebody's in his ear about that, that the earlier we declare for this, the less we have to worry about that sort of compliance stuff. But I don't know. There's a, a recent poll that came out just this afternoon or evening that just had DeSantis versus Trump, and they just polled conservatives, and they have DeSantis sort of whipping his ass in every single state where they right. where they broke it down. And Trump obviously won't like that. Trump made some weird claims this week about how he made Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis would <laughs> was going to lose the election until he sent down the FBI and the Department of Justice to put an end to the fake election recounts that the Democrats were doing in Florida to try to steal the election from him, which is a weird thing to like admit to when, right. first of all, he right. obviously didn't do that. Right. That's the kind of thing that you only admit to when you're making it up because, like, you're admitting to, like, <laughs> some sort of crime. Right. And, and like, uh, again, like I said, I'll go work for DeSantis if it means that DeSantis beats Donald Trump. Like, I'll work for DeSantis all the way up until I'll convention night. I promise to vote for him. Uh, I know that they don't keep track, but, yeah. like, But the I reason promise. that I think DeSantis can do this is because of how he's been able to sort of chameleon his way from in 2018 he ran as a maga candidate he, he right. primary he got himself into the republican nomination for florida governor by being the trumpiest candidate and ran as a trump friendly republican in 2018 and then immediately shut the fuck up about donald trump and just sort of did his governance thing in florida for a couple of years before starting to pick these culture war battles but notably without really filling trump's lane exactly like he was but that, he, yeah that's weird isn't it because basically like his his bread and butter is cultural stuff so that's why i'm i'm, I'm trying to think like how is this DeSantis thing going to work in a general like he doesn't do anything other than that right so like what would be because his that's pitch? what's worked in that's florida all they care about but right. what i'm saying is that he's a he's a bright guy who i don't particularly care for but he seems to know how to do this and he's he expanded his mandate in Florida dramatically in just four years. And he, he's managed to do it without pissing off the Trump Republicans, while at the same time really pissing off Trump. So if anybody knows how to thread this sort of weird needle at the moment, it's him. And it helps that he's most likely, if he gets the nomination, going to go up against a decrepit, broken old man in the form of Joe Biden, who right. cannot make a coherent argument for why he should be the president well, like, deep into his mid-80s. Right, because it, it isn't the president turning 80, like, sometime this month. Uh, in order for that to happen, for the head-to-head DeSantis-Biden, uh, he would have to, unless Trump, for whatever reason, decides not to run, go head-to-head, so you can't thread any needle, he would have to challenge him directly. Like, uh, the, the former vice president, Mike Pence, is making the rounds now. He did, like, a interview with David Muir from ABC. Who supports Mike Pence? Show yeah. me— I don't know who, but he thinks—you you can believe—he thinks— he has support because he's all but announcing that he's going to run. Yeah. Uh, he does the book thing, and he basically came out and said like he was disappointed and Trump was irresponsible. Just very like you know 
the strongest words he can read the use. excerpts from the from the Mike Pence forthcoming Mike Pence book and try to imagine that those scenes actually happened the way that he's describing right. where he, like a sober and sad Donald Trump is talking about oh where did it all go wrong Mike where did we where did we were we were right there at the mountaintop and then <laughs> it's just things got weird I don't know how it got like that's not Donald Trump that's some yeah, weird that, version. Like maybe Mike Pence is a legitimate deluded weirdo who thinks that like just doesn't see the world as the rest of us see it, and thinks of Donald Trump as like some sort of sad, fallen Shakespearean tragic figure rather than the fucking clown that we all know him to be. Like I believe right. that Mike Pence might be sincere in that belief. Probably, but uh, it's going to be depending on what. Trump announces this week. If he does announce it, it'll be interesting to see who else joins because to me it'll be a short list if that's the case. Yeah. Tom Cotton has already bowed out. Uh, presumably <laughs> uh, there are a number of other United States senators who would not bother. I think Marco Rubio has resigned himself to he's, – he's accepted the reality that he won't be president as long as Donald Trump is around. But yeah, I don't know. I fully expect that Trump is going to say that he's going to be the next president. And then what's interesting to me is that I think that DeSantis would prefer to not have to announce until next summer. He does another yeah. legislative session in Florida and looks like he's actually trying to do the job. And if Trump announces now and it just we start getting incessant and constant polls like where Donald Trump is in and because he's just the center of gravity like naturally he's not going to stay at 19% or whatever that number was that came out tonight it's going to increase he will he will get a greater share of attention and therefore love from the american people and i think that it would be then like people have to start jumping into the race sooner than they necessarily want to they cannot allow him to spend the next six months unchallenged as the only Republican in the race, right? Right. But then it's going to be very awkward for the first person to challenge. Maybe all of the other hopefuls are going to uh, count on uh, Mike Pence to to be the first to challenge because if he's if, if Trump's thinking is I need to get ahead of it and just kind of build the uh, the awkwardness as to who will be the first to challenge a within the base popular former president, right? Because if he gets a jump on it now. Then throughout the spring, throughout the, the summer uh, in 23, they're going to be looking to uh, all the other hopefuls to see if they announce. Uh, and no one will want to go first. Yeah. Did you see the thing, uh, I think, yesterday about Trump trying to get Kelly and perhaps subsequent chiefs of staff to use the IRS to investigate his foes, specifically the FBI, James Comey, and Andrew McCabe, who was Comey's deputy for a while there at the FBI. I saw the headline. I didn't read the, the, the entirety of the story. Right, but so, wasn't, wasn't that previously reported? Wasn't there a thing about like trying to throw his weight around through these different agencies to kind of go after some political Well, over adversary? the summer, it was revealed by the Times that Comey and McCabe, in fact, had to endure these Apparently, there's a very like super special bummer of an audit, something like 5,000 or one out of every 30,000 people who file a return with the IRS are subjected to. So the fact that it, you have a one in 30,000 chance or so of being subjected to this audit and both James Comey and Andrew McCabe were subjected to it suggests that maybe wasn't as random as the IRS insi was insisting at the time that it was. 
Right. What do you know, eh? What do you know? I uh, I, I should uh, stress that uh, I, I uh, f- for full disclosure, I work at the IRS. I have uh, no role uh, in any of these uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, audits or what have you. I'm just a uh, an analyst. I just crunch numbers and prepare reports. So right. I don't have any uh, involvement uh, on no, that that's end. That's what but- they all say. I mean, using the power of the executive branch to sick agencies on your political enemies is a profoundly impeachable act, if not technically an illegal one, because, like, I mean, it would be illegal, I guess. I I don't think that you can single out individuals. But aren't most of these stories, it's like, you can kind of see the connection, but it's kind of hard for any of them to stick because the, I assume the way— Well, it's hard that- for it to stick because John Kelly isn't—John Kelly is the guy who's going to the New York Times and saying he was always asking me to get the Justice Department or the IRS involved in these things. And then John Kelly leaves, and a few months later, uh, all of a sudden, these things that Trump has been asking for for the last six months start happening. So right. what you do— uh, at Congress, if you control the Senate, you, that, that's an oversight. You, you have oversight authority. Is you call Mick Mulvaney to the Senate floor and you say, "Hey, Mick, uh, John Kelly says that he was always going on about how we need to use the IRS to investigate his political enemies. Did that happen under your watch?" And if Mick Mulvaney says, uh, "I take the fifth, then <laughs> I think it's pretty clear what's going can, on there. Yeah, you can start to piece things together. At right. that point, but I, I, I mean, like uh, there, there have been stronger cases uh, in other like uh, uh, stories, and and none of those ever stick. Like I wonder if this is going to go the same way. No, nothing, nothing will, will stick. I'm not suggesting. Oh, we got him, right? We, we definitely yeah. don't got him. But it's uh, another example of a uh, among a long list of reasons why Donald Trump should not be the president uh, ever again. Before we move on, it, it's remarkable how uh, the. The House is still undecided, even though, by all accounts, it's going to go towards the Republicans. But uh, despite all of the the great success stories uh, for the Dems uh, across the board, you know, excluding Florida, uh, the collapse in New York, uh, I I didn't think that it would matter because basically the thinking was there were going to be a 15, 20 uh, seat margin for the Republicans. So it didn't really matter how things shaked out in New York. But now I think they lost like four seats, just like a total collapse for the Democrats in the state of reliable blue New York. Uh, and it may be the, the, the margin, like those seats actually matter. Mm. And I don't know what happened there. I don't know if it's the whole crime on the subway and the, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything like about New, New York. York city or rest of New but York. Just like they, they, they did a lot of redistricting and there are like some district that connects through Brooklyn and that turned red. Like there was a lot of weird shenanigans. What if I, that what if I told you that, it might come down to Sean Patrick Maloney and, and the fact right. that he – because he left his previous district to go – he kicked out some other liberal from the district that he wanted to run in only to end up losing it. Yes. Who, and then that guy goes somewhere else and he loses. And so like there was a, there's this cascading thing that happened. And like it's not just the redistricting thing and it's not just that Sean Patrick Maloney is annoying – Kathy Hochul, as I suggested, only ends up winning that race by less than six points, which, uh, I mean, six points is a pretty healthy margin in most right. states. Comfortable, but, not, but yeah, not, not, not in New the York. state of New York, right. right? Right. I mean, New York is basically one of those states that they call as soon as the polls close, like for the on the federal level. Right. It went for Biden 61 to 37, basically. Yeah. 
And it went for Cuomo or roughly at that rate before that. So like Hochul barely hanging on by five or six points suggested that there's quite a change happening in New York, at least when it comes to this current composition of candidates. Right. But I suppose it's because they uh, no one actually voted for her as governor before. She just kind of came in because of Cuomo right. resigning. All right. I just want to play a quick clip from uh, Liz Warren's appearance on Meet the Press this weekend because she said something that bothered me. This will just take a minute. I want to ask you something about the message voters sent. You know, we at, in the exit poll, we asked, which party do you trust more on, a, on, a, on, a, on five sets of issues? And the Republicans were more trusted on foreign policy, crime, inflation, and immigration. The only issue they weren't trusted more on was on the issue of abortion. And the reason I ask this question this way is, is this for you, Senator. The voters seem to perhaps not be happy with Democratic governance, but there was just no way they were going to go to Trump candidates. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, do you have a concern that Democratic Democrats can't win if they're running against, say, normal Republicans, kind of like Chris Sununu or Mike DeWine, people like that? No, I do not have such a concern. In fact, look, Donald Trump, with his preening and his, uh, his selection of truly awful candidates, didn't do his party any favors. But this victory belongs to Joe Biden. It belongs to Joe Biden and the Democrats who got out there and fought for working people. The things we did were important and popular. Remember, right after Joe Biden was sworn in, all of the economists and the pundits in his ear who were saying, go slow, go small. Joe Biden. They should have done that. We wouldn't have fucking 12% inflation, Liz. I want to talk about the president's student loan forgiveness program, which the courts are potentially going to say he can't do, saying, look, this needs to be uh, appropriated from Congress. Okay, this is something you could do in the lame duck. Should you wait for this court outcome or simply codify the president's student loan plan via Congress? So, look, I'd be delighted uh, to codify what the president is doing, but here's the key. I don't have any doubt that the president has the legal authority to cancel this student loan debt. President Trump did it. President Obama did it. Uh, and President Biden has actually done it up to now on student loan debt payments. But we have a court down in Texas, and if right. they're going to play politics instead of actually following the law, they do put the program at risk. But to me, this is one of the clearest differences between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats, led by Joe Biden, are out there saying, we hear you mm-hmm. on what it's like to get crushed by student loan debt. We know what that means, and so we're here to try to help. The Republicans, they got nothing. They say, no, the only people that they're willing to fight for are billionaires and billionaire corporations and conspiracy theorists. Democrats fight for working people, and when we fight for working people, we win. All right. Liz Warren would sooner throw the entire federal judiciary under the bus and 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 say that that's not a legitimate outcome of a court case for the the court to rule that the student loan forgiveness thing that Biden did is illegitimate rather than just pass the fucking law right, right. she pref- she prefers to just throw the entire federal judiciary uh, and, and throw out their legitimacy rather than just 
fucking pass a law. She says at the start, yeah, I would love to codify what he did. But she also says, actually, it's completely, totally fine that the president, at the the whim of his pen, creates a half a trillion dollars in spending at the federal level that was obviously not previously authorized by Congress. And it's just like— you can make a fucking law, Liz. That's what right. your your whole job is to make the fucking laws. And if you want the president to just be able to make shit up and spend half a trillion dollars, you're not going to like it when the next guy does it. It sounds so fucking stupid and but trite and small of me to be complaining about it. But, like, what is she talking about? Isn't that the argument that she was making? This is a past presidents have done this and it wasn't an issue and so why are they making an issue out of it now but past presidents uh, haven't done this right she's not to she's, the scale she's, but she's, in, the, in no, the argument she's conflating yeah. the, she's conflating biden's temporary pushing off of loan repayments and and trump's temporary uh, pausing of loan repayments with biden spending 400 billion dollars to cancel uh, student loans outright. Those are two very different things. Those are and two to, different things. But what, weren't there like a select uh, scenarios where debt was canceled? Like, uh, yes, if you fulfill online, these whatever. requirements as outlined in the legislation that we have that Congress has passed before, and and yeah, that was enforced Wait, so, okay, by so, previous presidents. Right. She's so just con she's conflating, she's confusing things in people's right. minds on purpose to make a point about like Democrats deliver for the little guy. Now, but like, yeah. if uh, if uh, if another president turned around and just invented half a trillion dollars worth of spending on something that she didn't agree with, I don't think she'd be so quick to say, yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Right. I, I, a couple of things. I think the political messaging stuff doesn't bother me so much with uh, giving credit to whom. It's just that that's politicians drumming up support uh, and, and, and just doing whatever the message of the week is. Right. So I don't care about that part so much. But on the issue of uh, this uh, student loan forgiveness, you know, where it was like capped at 20,000 and it was like, you know, if you're below this income threshold, my understanding, I'm not a lawyer, my understanding was that uh, the executive branch, the president had s some power over that, and it wasn't a dispute as to whether or not what he did was legal. Are, are, are you saying that it is in fact illegal what he did? Like, you think that it's closer the to judge, that than The judge legal? in Texas that she's so quick to, to say is completely Ill illegitimate right. gave a ruling that said that it was not in fact legal, that it was a viol that, that nothing about the HEROES Act, which is what they claimed that this was what he's doing this under, allowed him to create the program in this way. And by the way, that will that will maintain uh, all the way through the appellate system and up until the Supreme Court. And so Liz Warren will be quick to say, well, that's just totally illegitimate political action by the court, rather than saying, well, I guess we should have made a fucking law, right? right. Because I that's mean, all that's what she should be. That is that is the law. The entire end of the story is, yeah, 100%. If the courts think that this is not acceptable because it was not previously authorized by Congress in this way, that doesn't make the courts illegitimate. It means Congress right. needs to go back and fix the fucking law. Right. It, it doesn't make it uh, make it illegitimate, but I do wonder, I, I suspect that they, they will want to see what authority a president does have. So I don't expect that they will try to pass something, basically conceding the point to this court, right? So I think they're going to let this run its course through the court when the decision is made. I don't think they're going to do something in the lame duck 
to codify. No, they probably won't. But I, I just I do not care for the fact that she is seemingly very carefree about the idea yeah. that these courts are just completely illegitimate because they came to a conclusion that she differs from on the politics of it. It doesn't mean that the, their underlying politics are what's at play here. And I don't know what the virtue is in terms of because I, I call me a conservative or call me an institutionalist or what have you. But I think that attempting to maintain the inherent uh, legitimacy of these institutions is important. And yes. you do that in two ways. One, in Congress, you do it by passing laws that the president enforces, not laws that he then just rips wide open and says, actually, this allows me to do whatever the fuck I want to do. We've seen that game before. The war on terror existed for uh, two decades plus because of an open-ended uh, act by Congress that they didn't. They decided not to take any responsibility for and uh, ceded their responsibility and their legitimacy to the executive branch in that way. They're doing it again here. And and it, and now she's doing it at the same time by saying that the courts are Ill- illegitimate because I disagree with their the outcome of this particular case. But but I mean, yeah, the the the, the framing is not helpful, but she's not saying that she would uh, uh urge the president to disregard the rule. Basically, they're still abiding by what that court said, right? And if it goes up through the system and and they conclude that yeah you actually don't have the authority there's uh, no that you question claim. in my mind that what president biden did was legal after a court has ruled that what he did was illegal right <laughs> is, is a direct right, assault if, on the legitimacy of no, the court system and it, right, I, but I, I, it, I mean, it's just I not okay i guess i don't see it in in those terms but you're right I, any attempt to kind of delegitimize the court uh, i would not be for uh on the on the question that chuck todd posed uh where he said well you know contrary to what you're saying four out of the five who do you trust more like on issues uh went towards the republicans and not uh the democrats i think the only issue was on on abortion uh isn't the outcome of this election uh, proof that who do you trust more was not the Republicans, right? I mean, basically, it was, yes, we're not happy about what the state of things. We don't like the divisiveness. We don't like the high inflation. All of these things, no good. However, we don't trust this other party that's out of office, right? We don't trust Mastriano, and we don't trust uh, the Oz types, right? Like, wasn't this a trust election? Like, we don't trust you in office at this time when you're promoting these things. Right. We'll eat we don't. Some of the, the, the thing, economic This is not an endorsement of Joe Biden and the Democrats. This was right. an acknowledgement that the Republicans are currently being run by a bunch of psychotics. And, right. like, good, good, like, if there's anything to take away from this where it's like, good job by the American people, it's. Uh, they recognize that they don't want to be governed by a bunch of psychotics. And right, I, but yeah, the, the fact that that Lauren Boebert was going to run away with her election in Colorado, according to all of the guesses, and she might barely hang on by at most a couple of thousand votes when all is said and done, uh, suggests that we're way more fed up. And, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, granted, not a real challenge in her comfortable district, win. ultimately, and a very comfortable win, but she lost five percent. Uh, right in points uh, relative to her last victory. Like the, yeah, basically, the, yeah. The, 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 the Republicans who gained ground, because you're right, even those Republicans who won lost ground, they, they underperformed uh, compared to what they did in the last election. But like 
That's not true for the Kemp's uh, in Georgia and the DeSantis in Florida and the DeWine in Ohio and the Sununu. Like all, all of these like incumbent, like just normal republic, well, normal relative to Trump, uh, they not only did well, they actually thrived. And others who were kind of just kind of playing footsie or outright all the way in on the MAGA stuff uh, lost ground, if not lost all of the ground. Right. All right, real quick from uh, our boy late. on CBS. Our boy, nothing. Your girlfriend, Maggie. <laughs> Maggie. Maggie looks good on Sunday. There's no getting around it. CBS News senior national correspondent Mark Strassman has more from Atlanta. For days to come, many states will still tally ballots. But the biggest midterm winner is already clear. Democracy. It held without mobs in the streets, without violence, despite all the election denialism out there. Right. Where the hell was that where there were lines out the door to vote? Did Not here. Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? Yes. Strassman gets yeah. off a good one. <laughs> Abe, gives it, Abe gives it to him. Uh, nonsense rhetoric around democracy won, and I'm sorry, but... I don't care if all of these psychotics had won their elections, then I have bad news for you. Uh, democracy would have, in fact, yeah. prevailed as well, you fucking idiots. Sure, but like the fact that— If Joe Biden had then sent in the National Guard and the, and the Marines to prevent the psychotics from taking over uh, their uh, positions that they were duly elected to, then we could say that do democracy lost. Do you notice lost. when you interrupt me when you're going back and editing the show? <laughs> do you do you see yourself, do you hear yourself doing it, or do you do can, it in your head anyway? I can hear all of your objections fully formed in my <laughs> the deepest recesses yeah. of my psyche, so I need yeah, not even listen to you're a real dick. <laughs> You were saying, Lori? I'm not going to say it. Clearly, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, anyway, the uh, democracy dies in darkness nonsense can all fuck right the, off. The, the one thing I, I would say, it wasn't Strassman and the like. Uh, they were basically saying there was some anticipation of rejecting the outcome by a lot of candidates, and there wasn't much of that. Most, most of them just like, yeah, all right, I lost. Fuck it. Right. I mean, Masters right away was on Tucker Carlson, I think, by Wednesday night, talking about how uh, this thing was being stolen from him. There were there were, you know, there were ballots that were being counted two and three times each, and like we need to figure out what the hell is going on down here. Right, but that wasn't like the dominant uh, theme. Like there was a lot of like who's to blame. Like even the Car Tucker Carlson's and other uh, conservative. Uh, uh, thought leaders, I guess. Uh, <laughs> That's the they, word. <laughs> they also were basically like, well, why did we underperform? And they started formulating a theory, but nobody was like, you know, this is rigged. Like, there wasn't that. Like, okay. almost January anywhere. January 6th was January, so we still have time. Yeah, it's true. But you do, um, need, you do need somebody to, 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 to get that people going. Like, without that... 2020 would have been similar to this. Like, oh, we did not so good at the presidential level, but we, the Republicans did. Like, that, that would have been the story. Like, we actually overperformed in the House in 2020, and that would have been that. And the, yeah. we just moved on. I guess. I, I just, 
would they have come out and say that democracy failed because a bunch of psychotics started lying about the fact that the election didn't go off the way that they thought it should have? Like, like Strassman doesn't get on and say that democracy lost. Right. Because that would be a that would be a denial of the truth of the situation, right? So there's no there's, the point is that was an entirely unfalsifiable thing at the start of this, where you say democracy is on the ballot, and then like you have now massaged that in the last two minutes to say that this isn't about democracy literally being on the ballot, but instead right. it's about do we respect outcomes? And that was not what the Democrats were saying in the run up to this. The, the democracy was not on the ballot in terms of whether or not the American people respect well, outcomes. But, I mean, the, the argument that they were making is that if they win the secretary of state position, they're, they're going to be in a position right. to then do something about future elections. Then in 2024 and yeah. moving forward right. that right. democracy would no longer functionally right. exist. And right. There's arguments to be made that that is the case. I think I'm immune, immune to the uh, most important blah, blah, blah of your lifetime uh, at this point, uh, and it just it makes me roll my eyes. Have you followed this? No, you've been listening. You've been listening. Fuck you, lady. No, it's late. It's You're not tired. Gonna... It's ten thirty. Lori should have a "you've been listened to" button that just like well, it's all right. <laughs> she should not have that. We would have a show. No, but, she, if Lori she had be a "you've fair. been listening to" button, I would do my opening. We'd talk about the weekend That's and the and the bulldogs, and no, that no. would be the That's end of the show. That's not true. Yeah. I sit here and listen to you blather on. And that's fine. And now you're done, and it's time to do it's not going to the take second long. part of the show. It's not going to take long. Abe, Sam Bankman Freed, who ran the FTX crypto exchange and also Alameda Research, which was essentially a, a hedge fund. It's been revealed that uh, there's no money there, that uh, we had all these billions of dollars, and uh, we don't have any of these fucking billions of dollars. Yeah. And, uh, was there like a, a like run on the bank? A classic run on the bank where – because what is the – when it comes down to it, you could ask any fucking idiot, what is the only purpose of a financial institution that matters, right? Solvency? Right. It's if I hand you my money on yes. Monday and then yes. I come back on Thursday, um, I need to get my money out. Right. The, the money has to be there. And if – on Thursday, I get there, and you're like, uh, maybe come back on Tuesday? Right. Not a good day for me, buddy. <laughs> right. Maybe another day. <laughs> then things aren't uh, – you're not an actual bank, right? right. It's, it's things – we can't have that. And the only reason that I bring it up is because it's uh, in the same way that a lot of the pundits and media people looked a little bit silly uh, with all of their dire predictions about the election – this guy, as recently as like last month uh, or, or six weeks ago, was on magazine covers as like crypto Jesus, as the, oh, the, the savior of our collective human future. Like as the Theranos the, lady uh, for, for a time? Right. With Just a, a brilliant motherfucker who could, who could wow audiences at, at the highest levels of, of corporate America and, and give presentations while dicking around on his computer and playing League of Legends. Like he's giving lectures about high finance and what, where humanity is going. And then somebody looks over his shoulder 
and he's like doing a raid with orcs and shit on his computer. And like, wow, this guy must be real fucking smart. Right. He can play League of Legends while he talks to us about high finance. It's like, no, he's a fucking scam. He's a shitty scam artist with right. uh, who likes to flatter you in in the the ways that you love to be flattered in order for you to fork over giant piles of money. And the fact that Tom Brady, Tom fucking Brady, <laughs> is like might be losing his shirt because he invested some large percentage of his six hundred million dollar fortune in this asshole. It's just it's just wonderful. Uh, By the way, the uh, best uh, thing ever. Up until this weekend, I have never heard of this person. I never heard of his name. I didn't associate him with this FTX. Didn't they have like a naming rights with like some sport franchise? Major in League Miami? Baseball. All of the umpires had FTX patches on okay, their on their uniforms so I, this year. Yeah? I'm familiar with that, but I didn't know who this guy was. And then when I was reading about it, I was like, "What? Like, how did yeah. this I'll scam?" Put some, there's some good. I'll, I'll make sure there's some good links in the show notes because this is a complicated story. But just by reading a couple of articles, you can get a pretty clear picture of what was going on. I I love that his name. He's named like a fucking Charles Dickens character. Like ba- Bankman Fried is his yeah, name. That's, that's like, intense. Come on, how, how could how could you give this guy any money? His name is Bankman Fried. Anyway, I mean, that, uh, wasn't there Madoff? I mean, people gave Madoff right. Money. Ma- Bernie Madoff, another perfect one. Uh, Charles Dickens is writing our bogus future, oh, apparently. Obviously. But there's something, and, and it connects also with e- Elon Musk absolutely face planting in wet concrete over and over and over again with regards to the Twitter takeover. Like, there's this, there's something in American culture, and I think it is specific. Obviously, I've not. Uh, lived in other cultures largely and i can't ask you because you don't remember but there's something that i think is uh, particularly american about the linkage between great wealth and some I- identifiable virtue or another whether it's intelligence or hard work or i have a i have a take on that we don't do takes also is elon musk american no, he's like South no, he's from South Africa. Yeah. Okay, so he doesn't count. No, 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 I'm talking about the sort of American ethic of connecting great success in terms of accruing wealth and power with like hard work and or intelligence. Like that. That is a. a I think it's a not necessarily uniquely American, but it is. Uh, peculiarly American in a way that like England, like you don't think about the high class, high caste yeah, in England. Yeah, they're like, oh, he was just born right. that way. They're yeah. just born into it. So there's like an arbitrary right. absurdity to it that everybody just sort of accepts, even if they're not happy with it, or you recognize that it's not fair. But right. here it's like the, the bootstrap capitalism of the whole thing is everybody's like, well, yeah, he got to the top of the mountain. He obviously got to the top of the mountain because either he's good or he's smart or he worked hard. That's right the explanation and it and he he's not like he's just fucking weird and like circumstance and well, isn't luck he like a weird genius too sure he's a bright guy but he's also a fucking like he's a moron who keeps face planting into wet concrete every day that he opens his mouth on twitter like he's taken this 44 billion dollar investment and like he's just making it worse for everyone over and over again in obvious ways and it's, yeah, isn't it's that, wonderful like, it, to watch I, I mean, there's no way that this is his plan. He's not just burning all this money. But, like, if he did kind of cause the ruin of a Twitter, like, I mean, people have already been complaining about Twitter all these years. Maybe this is going to 
be a good thing for everybody? Like, if- Oh, absolutely. I think if Twitter uh, goes away, it would be good for everybody. And I, I further think that it would be good if people like learn some sort of lesson as all of these, like these sainted, brilliant successes in our world turn out to be just fucking dopes. Like, I just love it when people who are wildly successful and lauded for their success because of their intelligence and hard work are actually just revealed to be dopes. We never learn that fucking lesson. We never, ever learn that fucking lesson. But I always think like the, the, the takeaway should always be like people have the capacity and in either direction they have tremendous capacity like so some just because somebody was successful in one field uh and they put honest effort into it i don't understand how you would think then you would put dishonest effort into something else and it would magically also succeed like you actually tried to make these other things work and you're just kind of being a troll just for the shits and giggles and you come to find out there are a lot of trolls online like it's stiff competition right so right. like who can play that game and there's a lot more of them than of you right. and he's it's an extraordinary un- he's been an extraordinarily extraordinarily successful person on be, largely because of luck like i don't deny that he's a very bright guy he's um, an imaginative guy with cool ideas about some things but like uh, it's just fucking luck and uh, i think his luck might be running uh laurie what was your take about this it was i thought you were going somewhere else it doesn't matter you, oh. you think uh, you're calling it already? You think uh, you know it's just, just going to stabilize in a few months? People will forget about his trolling, and then uh, the valuation you know, every will go single, back. Every single decision that he's made that you can point to since taking over Twitter has not been good. Like there's none of it has been good or has worked. It's a wonderful thing to watch him uh, self-destruct Twitter in real time, uh, including and I'll make sure that's in the show notes. Uh, people who managed to get themselves. Uh, blue checks and then and made up utter fucking nonsense on the uh on the twitter that looked like official stuff what's going on there Abe? what are you what's going oh, on nothing <laughs> seem to be in- intensely looking at something on your phone and no. confused by it nothing of import all right last on this there's an interview with brian eno in the new york times magazine it just came out today i think brian eno of course uh, great producer of music and music, musician himself. Had a, as it says here, he had a strong hand on iconic works by David Bowie, Talking Heads, U2, and Coldplay. Hmm. Really, really great interview. And he makes a point, something that I harp on all of the time. Interviewer asks him, you have ideas about how art does what it does. Do you also have ideas about what makes artists what they are? I'm thinking about something like charisma. What is it that makes some of the people you've worked with, Brian Ferry or David Bowie or Bono or David Byrne, into stars? What accounts for that quality? Response. That's an interesting question. I think charisma comes out of the sense you have that not only is somebody different, but they're also confident about it, committed to it, obsessed by it even. We don't find uncertainty charismatic. Uncertainty doesn't work for anybody very well, because in general, the media don't appreciate people like that. I would like to cultivate a charisma of uncertainty, a charisma of admitting that you're making it up as you go along. I remember this funny thing. One day when we were working on the Passengers album with U2 in Dublin, Pavarotti came into the studio because he was singing on one of those tracks. We're in the main room saying, uh, should we put the chorus here? No, let's double that section, da-da-da-da-da. Pavarotti's standing in the control room watching what we're doing. Then he says, 
you are making it up. I think it was the first time he realized that at some point music is made up as opposed to not just springing out fully formed. Exactly. It doesn't come out as a whole package and then you learn to sing it. I thought if he was surprised by that, how much more would other people be surprised by this notion that things are born messily? They don't come out with any charisma at all. They start out, they've got blood on them. You've got to clean them up, surround them with love and attention until they can stand on their own. Yeah, a charisma of uncertainty would be my thing. In a way, David Byrne had that. Or has that. One of the attractions of his persona is that he's not afraid to weave in confusion. How did I get here? How did I get here? I think he's on a path to a kind of feasible human future. You can be amazing, but you could admit, too, that you're bewildered. And if that doesn't sum up uh, about half of the shit that I say on this show, I don't know uh, what would do that better. Check out the show notes for a link to that interview. It is wonderful. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com. The opening and closing themes of the show are composed by the great Mark Gillig. You can find him at tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Abe, Black Panther 2 or something? Did you make it to the movies this week? I- I did not. Uh, I was planning on uh, watching uh, Black Panther 2 uh, over the weekend, but some friends also wanted to watch it, and it didn't work for them. So I'm watching it this week. Uh, so actually, I did not watch any movie last week. Uh, I did, uh, on the uh, HBO, I did watch uh, Les Miserables or whatever. Like, uh, and yeah, about an hour and a half in, I was like, I have to stop and watch a different version because I don't know if... They're, I don't know. I don't know anything about the story, but like Russell Crowe was just throwing me off the Russell whole time. Russell Crowe is terrible. I'm like, it's is terrible. This, is this the right thing? So, like, I, I just need to watch a yes different it, no, version. No, in a word, no, that's not the right one. Okay. Um, but there is no right one. Oh, they all have like you just different have to go. Choices? No, you just have to see it in the theater. Okay. But also, one of my my only maybe life goal like before i die i want to read the book because apparently they left out so much so mu- like okay. it's so much thicker than even the right version of the show right there were a lot of uh time jumps in this one they're like all right yeah this is a slave here and 10 years later it's yeah. like actually epic yeah i don't know everybody else was great but i was like i don't know what russell oh, crowe's doing but like it's not working. I've never seen that one. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's not, but it's. I'll try to find a version for you. Yeah, if there's uh, something that's like sensible, I would wa- want to watch it at some point. Cause I, I always like, want to support your watching musicals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it's probably the best one. If there's okay. a best musical, it's probably Les Mis. Okay. We didn't watch much, did we? We watched we a bunch watched of sports. Football. We watched White Lotus. We caught up with something on Friday. What was it? The baking show? Baking show. We watched. No, we're, no we, we didn't. Still, we're still three weeks behind on the baking show. Not two weeks. We watched something. What the hell did we watch on Friday? Mm. We finished something? What the fuck did we watch on Friday? It was on HBO, I think. Was it a movie? <laughs> anyway, we watched a bunch of sports. We watched the dogs. Obviously, kick. Uh, who did we play? Mississippi yeah. State. The other Bulldog team. <laughs> yeah. 
Mississippi State. Um, today at work, I went to my Google Calendar and I went to December 3rd. And at 4 p.m., I put on my calendar SEC championship game. Yeah. Because nice. I'll definitely want to watch that. Man, they, I almost made a ton of money this weekend gambling in sports, and instead I didn't make any money gambling in sports because uh, of the way that my stupid bets went. Ridiculous like, parlay? or Yeah, a five-way parlay on Saturday and a five-way parlay on Sunday, both missed by one game. And I don't have to get into the NFL. The NFL is a crapshoot, so whatever. But the Saturday slate, I felt good. And I hit four out of the five games, and the only game that I didn't hit was that bum-ass fraud, Jimbo Fisher, going to Auburn, a team that doesn't even have a football coach. I know. Cadillac Williams is just like hype man for the (laughs) Auburn team, not actually a coach. Yeah. And all they had to do uh, was win because they were getting a point and a half on the road. So I took them with the point and a half, which I guess Vegas knew better than I did, obviously. Yes, they did. Uh, That fucking ruined my night and then i didn't bet on this game but what is it with football and coaches not mattering anymore because the colts have decided that uh jeff saturday who in in like classic like very trumpy fashion like jim ursay is sitting yes. around one day watching television <laughs> and he's like hey Jeff Saturday used to play for me, and now he's on He's on the TV. Let's make him the coach. Not, and not, it not, worked. Yeah, not only that, but uh, there was like a ring of honor ceremony for one of the other Colts players, and all the old Colts players were in town the week before, Jeff Saturday among them. And maybe that got into Ursay's like, oh, he's such an affable fella. He can coach. He's just, <laughs> I don't know what, what is coaching really. Just coach um, him up. Just applaud. And by the that's way, what I'm talking about. The, uh, the wringing of hands and the gnashing of teeth about this is an insult to the coaching profession <laughs> because they just, they just picked Jeff Saturday off the TV yeah, and that's plucked, not okay. Yeah. He's got no history. He's he, not anybody can come in and do this. Ah, fuck off. Catherine just... was with us on Friday. Was Catherine with us on Friday? Yes. Catherine was with us on Friday. So I think we watched the end of a movie that was just on TV that was a nice movie. We watched The Martian on We watched on, The Martian on regular TV. We watched a nice movie. We watched The Martian and then just played video games or and something. And then played video games. Oh. No wonder we couldn't remember. The we bottom just watching, had been gone too. Speaking of affable, just Matt Damon just doing his thing there on Mars. <laughs> That's what we did. <laughs> I'm going to science the shit out of it like that was the... Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the movie for the next Andy Weir book that I read uh, last summer or the summer before uh, that I hated the shit out of because I, I know that it's going to be a perfectly enjoyable movie, but I will find something to hate about it, I'm sure, that Project Hail Mary. Anyway, dogs win big. The LSU looks like a bunch of bums. They're bums. Uh, Alabama, let's, Alabama let's looks like a bunch of bums. That. The, Alabama doesn't matter. Yeah, the, the matchup the matchup is set now. It's George, it's, it is going to be Georgia versus Alabama. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, no, LSU. LSU. Uh, according to ESPN, uh, Georgia opens as a 16-point favorite. 16-1-6. Yeah. That quarterback, he's a big athletic guy who can sort of break some big plays for you, but he's got no touch. Like that's my, That is my now full assessment of, of the quarterback for LSU. He overthrows everybody. He doesn't have a great deal of touch this georgia team is a schizo schizophrenic team that like i 
don't love rooting for this offense because Stetson Bennett kind of stinks, but like they get the job done ultimately. Yeah. Like they, they they figure out a way to make it work, and they're just so much more talented than most of the other teams out there that I'm not too worried about the SEC the rest of the way. Who knows what's going to happen in the playoffs? Also, we've played Mark Kelly twice in the last four years or six years. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Not an astronaut. Not the <laughs> nope. senator elect. Nope. And incumbent not him. from Arizona. Nope, but we've yeah. we've Kirby's played with Mark Kelly. So Brian Kelly. Brian. I'm tired. I have a whole week ahead of me of yeah. people that I have to talk to all day. Yeah. We can get going here. You got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. I guess that's all we've got for tonight then, and we will talk to you next time. Later. fact that my uh i got the omicron booster yeah oh i i i did as well uh so on friday i know they say you can do both at the in one sitting but i was like let's just spread them out it's like a holiday weekend i'm not doing anything so on friday i got my regular flu shot on my one of the arms and then on sunday i got the other one i didn't have any reaction uh which is Always been the case. I always think That's like maybe incredible. it'll be different this time. I, yeah. I was Bad. laid out again. So I, I get down there because I, I, I had an appointment downtown at a like they have a, they set the trailer up or like the, the mobile thing. And I I walked down there because I was like, I'm gonna like, you know, keep the body moving afterwards. Yeah. It's like a, a mile and a half walk or something and a mile and a half back. So I wanted to I was gonna walk down there, get a slice of pizza for lunch, and then and walk home, get the shot, all of that. And of course I get in there and the lady nurse is like running through her questions. And she's like, so have you had any previous reactions? Like we, we went through the official questionnaire, like clear, but then like more conversationally, like, so how do you react to this shot in the past? I see that this is the fourth one or whatever. Um, I said, yeah, it, it, it's laid me out pretty good every single time. And I'm, I've, sort of like expect to be in bed for the next 36 hours and she she's like oh i'm sure that you hydrated well right ahead of this shot and i said oh yes definitely but like in my brain it's like wait a second and i realized i had had my two cups of coffee first thing in the morning and then nothing okay <laughs> for the six hours that followed including like the mile and a half walk downtown. So, like, uh, not a major exertion, but right. an exertion nonetheless. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I get the shot, and I walk down to CVS, and I get a fucking thing of Gatorade. Gatorade, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, she got me. You can uh, never be too careful. My left arm was fucking dead by, like, five in the afternoon. Like, really? Like, like, the entire thing. Like, my entire bicep completely fucking dead. My arm was fine. And then... Like I got hit by a truck. I was fucking miserable for Man, you can a set your full watch 24 it, so hours it, after. Yeah. It's very consistent. It's like, yeah. yeah, it was terrible. Like, and I, I finally dragged my ass out of bed at noon the next day and made myself some food and a couple cups of coffee. And like for two hours, I was like, okay, I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to be good. And then crashed after that as well. And it wasn't until waking up the next day that I was like, actually felt okay again. Like it really fucks me up every time. It's functionally impossible to talk about obvious truths without being accused of being the worst thing. No, this is not the time to talk about this. Probably not. But no, like no, no, that's it. We are going to bed it's now. It's fascinating to me.